The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This episode of the Bear Stock Underground is brought to you by eBay Sneakers. From rare dead stock to the latest release, you can find the exact sneaker you're looking for on eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, a team of independent professional authenticators perform a rigorous inspection of the sneakers you purchase before they're sent to you so you can shop confidently knowing your pair is the real deal. And in partnership with eBay, Armchair Media will be raffling off four custom-made sneakers. Each purchase you make before March 31st through ebay.com sneakers will enter you into a drawing for one of four pairs of Air Force One low tops. Just send a screenshot of your purchase to at Armchair Media on Twitter or Instagram. And for the sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers of $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. With other sites taking as much as 25%, you're going to have a lot of extra money left for more sneakers. So check out ebay.com slash sneakers today. That's ebay.com slash sneakers. The Bear Stock Underground is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA is in full swing, and college basketball heats up as the schools make their way to the madness. The tournament is coming, and so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest, as Bet Online is the spot to be for all your bracketology needs. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website now or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. What's up, guys? Long time, no talk. Thought I'd finally dust off the old microphone and uh, come on back and crank out a show or two. Uh, free agency is coming up, and uh, so we'll be getting into that, and then the draft won't be too far behind, and uh, with all the talk of the Bears and uh, the trade rumors with quarterbacks, with it's Watson, Wilson, blah, 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 so on and so forth, Derek Carr and a portrait under a pear tree, uh, it's just... Uh, Everything hinges on everything hinging on everything else uh, in this offseason. And we as Bear fans just waiting for the first domino to fall, whether that's being a trade for a quarterback or whether free agency is going to dictate what we trade for. And then there's the draft. I mean, there's the Bears could still trade all their assets to to trade up to get a Justin Fields or a or a Zach Wilson or, you know, maybe move up a few spots to get a, a Trey Lance or a Mac Jones or something like that the, the whole thing about the Bears making some kind of huge splash isn't over until the draft is over and even then who knows but uh, at least we think hope pray whatever that um you know the, the worst of it will be over by the draft the Bears will have made their big splash one way or another or they will stand pat and make us suffer through Nick Foles uh for 2021 who knows but uh uh, anyway, uh, for the purposes of today's discussion, uh, I brought back our good friend Lauren Cox. And the reason that I did that, not only because he's my favorite guest, but 
because Lauren uh, obviously hosts the Locked on Bears uh, podcast that I hope you all also listen to uh, in addition to this. Um, he did a kind of um, somewhat of a, a league-wide tour of the different teams uh, attached to the quarterbacks the Bears may or may not be associated with slash connected to slash interested in uh, and what have you. And uh, being the lazy guy that I can be during the offseason, I figured that instead of doing all of the work that Lauren did, I would just haul Lauren in and ask him what he learned. And this show that you're going to be listening to, this episode, will be the fruits uh, of Lauren's labor uh, and my genius uh, of, of going and, and working smarter, not harder, uh, in this uh, turbulent offseason that we live in. So, uh, <laughs> so Lauren's going to give us the rundown on the different quarterbacks that he's that he's learned about that you know from the, all the different uh, team representatives, if you will, uh, that he's spoken to in the last few weeks, uh, learning about these different quarterbacks, and we talk about uh, who we who we think would fit better, uh, who we like better, uh, you know, Der- from Derek Carr to Russell Wilson, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, Gardner Minshew, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you name it, uh, we pretty much try to shoehorn it uh, in there. So, and uh, we have a very healthy debate on Russell Wilson versus. Deshaun Watson. Uh, I think you guys will be interested to find out uh, who uh, whose side I fall into uh, on that one. Uh, we also talk a bit about at the end. I kind of um, had a little bit of a bone to pick with him about Allen Robinson because he he had a a show uh, not too much longer ago. He had a guy who's had a relationship with Allen Robinson since he was a beat writer in Jacksonville during Robinson's Jaguar days. And the two of them uh, were on uh, on Lauren's show talking about the when he had Allen Robinson on for like an hour long live uh, Q and A through his website. And uh, you'll hear the name of the website. Forgive me for forgetting what it is now. But um, the two of them talked about Allen Robinson and uh, the type of player that he is and what kind of money Allen Robinson deserves. And therein lies the discussion that I needed to have with Lauren. Now, if anybody, if you guys have been listening to the show, especially during the back end uh, of the season, you know my thoughts and my feelings on Allen Robinson, the player, and what I feel he is worth as far as his price tag uh, is concerned. So um, that will be towards the end uh, of the episode. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, step back so you can dive in to this quarterback discussion. So I figured it was time for me to chime in uh, on this. And, and what better way than uh, to bring in uh, Lauren Cox, who's who's <laughs> who's done all the footwork. So uh, we, we bring him in. He helps us out and uh, we go through the options, who we like, who we don't, why and why not. Uh, and so on. So without further ado, myself and Lauren Cox discussing the quarterback position for our beloved Chicago Bears and what direction they should be going in 2021 on the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. All right. So here we are. We're welcoming Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears back on uh, to the show to uh, to have a little fun and and uh, to kind of uh, exploit the work that Lauren has been putting in over the last couple of weeks on his show, uh, Locked on Bears. Go ahead and give that a listen uh, if you want to hear each individual show. But right now we're going to do a summary of all the hard work that Lauren put in 
over the last two weeks because he has painstakingly got in touch with just about every team or a team representative locked on so-and-so uh, for the various quarterbacks that the Bears are associated with or rumored to be interested in or what have you. So, Lauren, uh, welcome back, man, and uh, I- I'm sorry to exploit you, but um, you know I figured this would just be so much easier for me to do this than <laughs> to go out and do it myself. Yeah, you know, it's okay. I'm used to it by now, Larry. I understand. <laughs> so so how many did you do? Because I, I, I count at least five, right? Yeah, I guess I haven't been counting, but let's see. Uh, well, and technically, as we're recording this, one more is going to come out. So I got, let's see, I got Jameis Winston. I got Derek Carr. I got Russell Wilson. I got Deshaun Watson, sort of. I got, uh, there's a couple others in there, but at least five, yes. Okay, so on this little league-wide tour uh, that you've uh, been on, have have your opinions changed on any of these guys the Bears are, you know, supposedly linked to? Because I think one of my favorite, like, running jokes on Twitter is that new week, new quarterback that the Bears are tied to. So in the beginning, it was like Watson right off the bat. Then it was Matt Stafford. Then it was Russell Wilson the first time just because, like, when he started making comments about, well, I don't know, that's up to the Seahawks if I'm back next year and, you know, things like that. Then it was Carson Wentz. Then we got, oh, God, like, I, I've lost track. But it's just like somebody knew uh, Alex Smith since he's going to be released and all that kind of stuff. We're just banging it out. New week, new quarterback. Has your opinion changed on any of the guys that you have learned? Like, have you learned anything that maybe soured you on somebody or, or maybe kind of sweetened you up on, yeah, maybe we should go after somebody like him? Yeah, I don't know that anything, you know, drastic, but I do feel like the longer this goes on, I think the more you start talking yourself into some of these lesser quarterback options only because it, it kind of feels like that's all, that's all you've, that's your choice. It's like, well, it's like that or Nick Foles, I'd kind of like to see what this other thing could be, even if that other thing might end up just being Nick Foles. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. you know, you start to look into Alex Smith and go like, yeah, he's, He's older and injured or whatever, but, you know, the X, Y, and Z or like, you know, Cam Newton from the Patriots. Yeah, he had a bad season this past year, and he's older and injured, but, you know, like, you see they all have a lot of warts, and once you start to look a little bit past a lot of the warts of the non-Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson caliber quarterbacks, you can start to find some different things that might be more fun or exciting or get your hopes up or open up for the possibility of a little bit more than what we've seen from Chicago at quarterback over the last few seasons. Yeah, it's it's not a high bar, high bar to, to to cross for just about anybody that the Bears might sink their teeth into. That's the problem uh, in this uh, in this off season. But it's like you were saying, it's like is this guy versus Nick Foles? I got a feeling that just about anybody out there, we're at least going to want to take a flyer on somebody than than go through what we saw with with Nick Foles. And and granted, in his defense, he had probably like the worst six game stretch of offensive linemen in of the season. You know, and then he gets hurt. And when Mitch comes back, we finally have a configuration that works and carries us through uh, the rest of the season. So he did not get to benefit from help from David Montgomery or this offensive line that's kind of figured it out. Or just the fact that he didn't have to throw behind an offensive line that had Rashad freaking coward in it. So it's like when Mitch came back, Rashad was gone. He was relegated to the field goal team. And that was it. (laughs) You know. Uh, and poor Nick Foles, he was his right tackle, his right guard, and they were shifting him all over the place uh, instead of him uh, leaving him on the bench where he belonged. 
Yeah, like that's yeah, the, like that's, that's the thing with Nick Foles. Thing. It's like when you compare him to some of these other quarterbacks, he's he's almost always the least mobile and always yeah. then sort of the most, uh, you know, the most vulnerable to quarter to offensive line issues. You know, in that sense that like not all the quarterbacks that we've talked about or are looking at are all speedsters. They're not, you know, they're not Lamar Jackson. They're not all even Russell Wilson or Mitch Trubisky, but like, you know, Sam Darnold can move a little better than Nick Foles. And obviously, you know, guys like Cam Newton and, and you know, Jameis Winston and some of these other quarterbacks, they're not, again, they're not all mobile guys. Some of them are more pocket passers, but like Foles is like the Mike Glennon level of like statuesque that you just, you'd like to have a little bit more mobility in that regard. Even Matt Nagy said as much in his press conference the other day that like, Mobility is nice to have at quarterback. You like to have a guy that can move a little bit. You can work with them if they can't, but it's one of those things I think Nagy would like to have more of, and a one-to-one comparison for Nick Foles is, is not hard to beat. Yeah, not, not, not at all. I mean, it, it's. I just wish that something would go ahead and happen already, which is why I didn't, I didn't listen to the press conference on, on Tuesday. Because I didn't, I didn't, I would have rather be surprised by some kind of shocking announcement or headline or whatever that would have come out of it rather than listen to them puke out the same crap that they said in January when they inflamed the entire fan base with that joke of a press conference. So it's like I, I had reached my limit for, for those guys talking. I didn't want to subject myself uh, to that, knowing that they probably wouldn't say much of anything, um, just in in regards, like I, I heard that they tried to push Nagy on on Watson or Wilson and he wouldn't budge on it. It's like just nothing, nothing. You're not going to say anything. And he just wouldn't rather not comment, or at least that's what I heard. Yeah, it, it, but like there's a fine line there, right, between like, of course, you're not allowed to talk about pursuing other players under contract. Right. That's tampering. But yet Matt Nagy mentioned Alex Smith by name three times at the press conference. And he's still under contract with the Washington football team. But when he, when he talks about Alex Smith, he's, he was talking about, you know, traits he likes at a quarterback and leadership. And he's like, and, you know, when I coached Alex Smith in Kansas City, he led in this kind of way. And then eventually he was asked a little bit later about, you know, how do you evaluate quarterbacks who have played for you? And then he mentioned Alex Smith again as a quarterback who's played for him in the past, as opposed to mentioning him as a quarterback they might want to pursue this offseason. But it's hard to not connect the dots there when Matt Nagy is literally mentioning one quarterback option by name, both at this press conference and at the one back in January. Yeah, he's got, he's got quite the uh, quite the uh, quite the boner for Alex Smith. Um, he does. He is a huge fan uh, of that guy. And, you know, when you were talking about the, the whole Nick Foles uh, thing and comparing this person to, you know, Nick Foles, like this versus Nick Foles, like we bring in this guy or we keep Nick Foles. Um, I mean, even with Alex Smith and everything he's been through and when, when I was doing the same thing and kind of comparing, not so much comparing them to Nick Foles, but just like, you know, bringing this guy in, you know, why? And with Alex Smith, um, do you ever listen to the Kyle Brandt podcast, the 10 questions podcast? I, I, I have before. Yes. Well, he did Alex Smith last week mm-hmm. and Alex Smith talking a lot about how he's not done and that his leg came back stronger than ever. He tested it over and over again throughout the system, basically daring it to give out, uh, on him and it didn't. So he's, you know, confident that he'd be able to, to keep going. Definitely wants to keep playing. And it's like, take that 
motivation to keep playing, plus maybe some animosity with the later comments that he made about feeling like Washington just did not want him around uh, last year and then bring him back with a guy that he works well with in Matt Nagy. And that might not be a bad situation, uh, you know, despite the fact that he's 36 and going into the 38th year of his career and coming off this gruesome leg injury and uh, and things like that. Uh, compare that to Nick Foles, like, well, at least he can, well, I mean, I know he's not who he used to be when we got drafted, but he's, anybody's more mobile than, than Leadfoot Foles. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you asked me at the beginning, quarterbacks, I've kind of changed my opinion on it. I, I think from the start, I've been anticipating Alex Smith being the guy the Bears want to go after. And after talking to Chris Russell from Lockdown Washington football team, I, I, came away more sour on Alex Smith than I started. Like, I was really? kind, I was kind of anticipating, like, oh, yeah, like, Alex Smith, he's, he's, I, he might be the most Foles-like of the options. Because, like, when he was in Kansas City, <laughs> he, he, was, he was one of these, you know, he's, he's a white quarterback, so everyone thinks he's slow, but it turns out he can actually move a little bit. But, like, now, after the leg injury, it really sounds like the mobility is very limited. And maybe that can still improve a little bit as he just gets more comfortable with, you know, his repaired brand new robot leg that he's working on out there. But like the guy turns 37 in May, like he just, most quarterbacks don't get more mobile when they turn 37. And, you know, he really had some ups and downs this year. And, you know, Washington was a team that seem to be making a lot of strides around the quarterback's position and that they're kind of perceived as one of these teams that like if they could just upgrade the quarterback spot that they could win the NFC East and kind of take that next step and I I, I don't know I just kind of kept I kept coming away feeling like Smith needs just as much support as Nick Foles does and so are you, you you're gonna have both of them on your roster I mean maybe Smith would be a, a better mentor to a rookie quarterback, maybe he would have a, a slightly better understanding of Matt Nagy's system, but everything we keep hearing about Nick Foles is that when he was running this Bears offense, he was cerebral at the line of scrimmage and that all the players kind of knew it and could tell there was a little bit something different, but of course the offensive line issues and everything else made it difficult for him to have that success. So like, how much more does Alex Smith give you? It's just kind of a different version of the same thing, whereas some of these other quarterbacks might not be a surefire better than Foles, but it's going to be a different style and a different kind of quarterback that I, I just feel like I could be a little more excited about or feel like there's a higher ceiling there, even if there's a lower floor. Right. Well, okay. Well, you flipped me, so congratulations. Um, <laughs> I mean, he, he was, you know, when, like, like, when, uh, like when, when Washington gave him good protection and when the defense was playing well, he, he was a fine quarterback for them. But so is Nick Foles. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's, that's what yeah. I kept coming back to is like, well, well he won a Super Bowl doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Know, when, and so when, when Philly was blocking for him, they had one of the best offensive lines in, in the NFL that year. And the defense, even though they gave up a, a crap ton of points in the, in the Super Bowl to Brady, they made the plays that they needed to make when they needed to, uh, you know, especially the, the strip sack at the end of that pretty much won the game uh, for Philly uh, and everything. Well, I mean, at least on the playoff run, they were monsters, uh, you know, 34 to seven or whatever it was beating Minnesota or in that uh, NFC championship game and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, you know, it, it just, um, yeah. So I guess it would be more of the same, uh, I guess. So maybe, I mean, he's actually older than Foles too, isn't he? Oh yeah, drastically. Like, yeah. you know, like like Alex Smith went five and one last season with Washington, and you're like, oh wow. And then you look, and he was six touchdowns, eight interceptions. You know, and it's like sixty six percent completion percentage. Like he was, he was fine, but like, you know, I, I would absolutely take a younger, a pre injury Alex Smith 
absolutely. I would hands down take him over Nick Foles right now. But like, I between what we saw in a very small sample size last season and just some of the lingering, and I know it's healed and he thinks it's 100% healthy and all that stuff, but like, it's kind of like no one's ever been through this before and tried to play football with that type of an injury and that type of recovery. So we just yeah. don't, I feel like we don't know for sure how that's going to go. And if, you know, if it's not a clear upgrade over Nick Foles, why am I going to go through the trouble of moving on from Nick Foles, trying to trade him or figure out how that contract's going to work and then whatever Alex Smith's market's going to be like. I see the fit for Matt Nagy, and, and I would certainly buy Matt, what Matt Nagy's selling if he's trying to make a, a strong pitch for Alex Smith, but I, I just don't quite see it. Okay, yeah, now I'm double sold uh, on the <laughs> idea. So, so tell me about Jameis Winston, because this is a guy that's intriguing to me, and yet most people are kind of against the idea based on the last time Jameis Winston was on the field, which was starting and ending the 2019 season with an interception, throwing 5,000 yards, passing 30-plus touchdowns, but 30 interceptions as well. And he's basically, I mean, I know that they brought in Gronk and uh, Fournette and, and all those guys, but essentially the domino that fell that was the difference between the Bucks and a world championship was Winston. You know, they upgrade to, to Tom Brady and everything kind of falls into place. Granted, it didn't happen until like the last three quarters of this or the last quarter of the, the season that the Bucks kind of hit their stride, but they didn't have those mistakes that they had to weather because Brady doesn't make those. Uh, mistakes and but it's like so he goes to to New Orleans for nothing like literally like you know for a million I know anyone would die for a million dollars but he veteran takes a one year prove a deal you know for a million bucks in New Orleans never sees the field because New Orleans is also paying Taysom Hill 20 million dollars uh, to be the utility player and they put him on the field instead of Winston when Breeze gets hurts again hurt again this year he had that cataract surgery or the, the, the LASIK surgery that's supposed to improve his eyesight, which is supposed to help him not throw interceptions and everything, and then he never sees the field. So this seems like a guy that is dying to prove himself and would probably go anywhere to have the opportunity to do so. I think what intrigues me the most about Jameis Winston, I mean, I was interested in Jameis last offseason. I think you know, he took the deal with the Saints for a reason because, you know, so he could be Drew Brees' backup and be in that system and learn for Sean Payton. Like, the Bears couldn't have necessarily signed him to the exact same contract in Chicago. It's not always a one-to-one opportunity. But what right. intrigues me so much is how much the Saints want him. That The fact that he was on the field, he attempted 11 passes, you know, in garbage time over the course of all of last season, and the Saints sound like they're ready to make him their full-time starting quarterback. And they have Taysom Hill as a alternative option you know they have if something goes wrong with Winston or he just goes off the rails you know they they have a backup plan they're not like making him their franchise quarterback or anything but the fact that he didn't they didn't need to see proof on the field that they could just have him in practice and feel like and have him around the organization and feel like that's a guy that they want to get behind that to me adds to whatever I had already felt about Jameis Winston in previous seasons and says to me like he, it, this quarterback is going to be a free agent and not going to cost you an arm and a leg because he hasn't been a starter in two seasons. Like that to me seems like the perfect mix of like high upside, low age. You know, he's still young, not going to cost a lot. Obviously, there's there's the interceptions, there's the decision making. There there are very real flaws with Jameis Winston as a quarterback, but I kind of see it as almost like 
Here is a 27-year-old Jay Cutler who's available, and you don't have to pay him a seven-year, $100 million contract this time. You can get him for cheap. He's going to throw interceptions that piss you off, and you're like, God damn it, why, you, why did you attempt that pass? What are you doing? Why? But, but he's, the Bears have never had a 5,000-yard receiver before, or 5,000-yard quarterback before, and Winston consistently has been a 4,000-yard, 20-plus touchdown guy, and I, I'm kind of willing to go back to living with a few interceptions if I feel like my quarterback can be that plus difference maker on my team some of the time. Yeah, we've also never had a 4,000-yard passer either. In well, the that too. That too. Franchise that's been in the league since day one, but, you know, so. Like, the, the, key, the 30 interception numbers what everybody throws to, but before that, yeah. his most in a season was 18. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to get caught up on the 30 interception years. All of a sudden, that's who Jameis Winston is. I mean, he's going to throw a lot that, of interceptions. You know, it, because it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league that's the last thing that he did yes was throw 30 plus interceptions and pretty much tank the Buccaneers who probably were a better football team than they were allowed to be because the defense was on the field 90 percent of the time trying to recover from 30 plus interceptions and you know you could probably have somebody make an argument that well he had 30 touchdowns but how many of them were garbage time touchdowns when the game was already lost and you're throwing to try to catch up and uh, and all that kind of stuff so it's like that's that's where all of the talk against Winston comes from is a lot of these stat watchers see 30-plus interceptions and like, nope, don't want that guy uh, or anything like that, that we just got rid of Jay Cutler. We don't need to be adding, you know, uh, another gunslinger that was gonna, just going to, you know, throw caution to the wind and put the ball out there and just see what happens uh, kind of thing. We don't have Mike, Edwin, Mike Edwins, uh, Evans and uh, Goodwin uh, on the team for him to throw to, so the ball needs to be where it needs to be, not just hope one of those horses can go up and get it. Well, that's the thing, though. It's like... I would love to see Jameis Winston shoot a deep bomb to Darnell Mooney downfield oh, now. Yeah. And Allen Robinson has the catch radius where, you know, he does, Jameis Winston doesn't have to be pinpoint accurate because, I mean, Lord knows Mitch Trubisky wasn't pinpoint accurate, and Allen Robinson can make those catches. I think, I think that the real interesting thing is Matt Nagy's offense is not a vertical downfield offense. Andy Reid's offense has become more vertical downfield because of the receivers and quarterback that they have. But, like, everything Nagy has wanted to do in Chicago is – Yards after catch, throw it short, scheme guys up, open in that middle intermediate area of the field. And I, I, you, would you have to kind of switch a lot of that up for Jameis Winston? I mean, can you force Winston into that system? Or are you, or are you trying to just put him in a better position and open things up? Like, it's, it's a fascinating coaching kind of question for Nagy and company because they, they did shift everything for Mitch Trubisky last year. I mean, they were willing to do that. So would they be willing to do that for, for Winston? Would that would that work? Would that be Matt Nagy's comfort zone? You know, like there's, there's a lot that goes in there that, you know, are, and are you going to do all that for Winston on a, on a one year prove it deal in Chicago, or maybe it's a, a two year deal with only one year guaranteed. Like you're not, you know, committing your whole franchise to Winston for the next five years, like Jay Cutler, you're getting, you're getting a one or two year trial run with him as a young quarterback with a little more upside than Nick Foles. And therein lies the rub right there is the fact that, that pace and Nagy, if all things happen, even if all things happen exactly the same way that they did this year, they're gone a year from now. That's it. They're done. They're out of there. It's, it's, we can't do an eight and eight early exit, you know, wild card run. There's no way they survive that. And, you know, do you want to be the quarterback that basically helped the Bears grind out another 500 record? You eke in because there's that seventh playoff spot that wasn't there before. And, and you, you go in and you get your, your, your ass handed to you by the number two seed on the road uh, once again in embarrassing fashion like the Bears did to the Saints uh, this past season. 
Um, you know, would you want to subject yourself to that? Is the opportunity that valuable to you? Or would you rather go somewhere that maybe you'll play a little less or maybe you have to earn the job in camp versus having the Bears hand it to you and have you be the face of the franchise that is going to introduce a new regime that may not want you back next year? Well, and you know, put it, look at it from Winston's stand, or from or from Nagy and Pace standpoint. Do you want to take the quarterback that could throw thirty interceptions and derail your whole shot at keeping your right. job, or I don't know, do you feel better off going with the safe Nick Foles that will get you to eight and eight? <laughs> and is that enough to save their jobs? You know what I mean? Like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of different dynamics at play for both of them, and obviously money will be one too. And the Saints don't have much cap space to work with either. And I mean, I'm, I'm curious where Winston's market is, where it feels like. Everybody wants him a little bit more now than they did 12 months ago when he hasn't done anything in those 12 months. But it's just like the quarterback markets have changed a little bit. And all of a sudden, the 30 interceptions aren't as fresh as just being Drew Brees' backup might be a little bit more of a favorable thing. Like all of a sudden, he's going to make more money this year, presumably, than last year having attempted 11 passes last season. Wasn't he the quarterback on that play that uh, Peyton stole from the Bears? I believe so. I believe so, but uh, that was in the playoffs, so that doesn't show up in his regular stats as I'm looking right now. Uh, yeah, one I'm for one. Saying, like, I, I think that's the one pass yep. I saw Jameis Winston attempt this year was the Saints getting the play right and the receiver not dropping the ball on that on that trick play that the Bears had the Saints dead to rights in uh, in the wild card game, if not for Javon Wims. Just, just blowing it, man. Uh, one, Yeah, p- playoff passing attempts. Jameis Winston, one completion, one attempt, 56 yards, touchdown. Beautiful. Right. Yeah. So it's like, that's what it's, so that's what that looks like. Okay, great. To to actually complete the pass. So he'd be a natural fit. He knows, he already knows one of Matt Nagy's plays. There you go. (laughs) Ran it to perfection as well. So, so who else is on the the board? We got Winston. We talked about Alex Smith. Um, I know you talked about Russell Wilson. I kind of want to save him uh, for the end. Sure. Who else did you talk about? The one as we talked, I talked about Derek Carr a little bit too, but that that yeah, yeah. that's okay. not gonna that trade's not gonna happen. The Raiders are only gonna give up Derek Carr if they can get Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. But they're not just gonna they're only gonna move on from him if they can get a quarterback upgrade. And the Bears definitely do not provide one of those for him. The the one the one that I haven't done a deep dive on that I I most want to at this point is Sam Darnold, just because again we're talking young quarterback in a system and a you know on a team that just reeks of dysfunction around him and i don't think it's weird like sam Darnold's in like what his fourth or fifth season now he's still in 20 he's entering his third. fourth season he just played his third yeah yeah 2018 was when, when and, he got when he got drafted and like somehow i still don't feel like we exactly know what he is i mean we sh- i feel like we should though right like isn't after 38 games isn't he what he is at this point and yet we feel like he's been on bad enough Jets teams and he had mono right. and there was an injury I, I in there. I think that's like, where the mulligan comes in, is that the Jets are the Jets, so a lot of what's wrong with him can be forgiven because it's the Jets. And that, you know, if, if anybody else can come along or... Because uh, or, in a lot of ways, people are kind of looking at the Bears and Sam Darnold as the perfect marriage right now. You're talking about two desperate parties. <laughs> that, uh, they get together and it works out everybody's happy. You save Matt Nagy, you save Ryan Pace, you revitalize his career. We're off and running. We've got, what is he, 24 even at this point? He's still 23 as of right now. Yeah, so he's going to be 24 when the season starts maybe and everything. And this is when a a lot of guys are entering like year, you know, two or something. Most guys graduate college at 22 or something like that. He came out at like 2021 
and he's already three years in, so he he knows the NFL game and uh, and everything. It's just that he's looking for the right opportunity. He had a a defensive-minded coach in Todd Bowles his rookie year, and then a disaster of a head coach in, in Adam Gase the last two seasons, who seemed like he was actively trying to destroy the team last year. But uh, you know, it just um, everybody kind of gives him somewhat of a uh, a mulligan, and it also depends on who you talk to. Some people just flat out think he's ruined and the Jets have broken him and buyer beware or anything like that. And other other people, uh, even and this is the defense that I'm closer to, is that get him away from the Jets and let's see what happens to see if if the Jets stink will will complete will you know continue to you know contaminate him or if getting away from the Jets or that that situation will uh, will be the cure all for him. Yeah, that's and that's. I tend to feel a little bit more to that side. And then, again, I'd like to. I want to dive a little bit more deeper on this because, like, these are the questions that we just we can't answer from outside of New York, and probably the Jets yeah. can't answer. Because, like, you know, I think back to like Donald's rookie season. He had some games, and it was like, oh yeah, like that's that's why you draft him number three overall. The Jets have a quarterback, like you know, maybe not. You know, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Deshaun Watson, but they, they have a quarterback there. And then like he's had some really bad, you know, four interception games where it's like. That's not just a bad team. That's a quarterback who's panicking, who's forcing throws, who's not seeing the field well, making bad decisions. Like, we've seen good quarterbacks survive on terrible teams. Like, even Deshaun Watson this past year, I mean, with everything that went on in Houston, he's still individually, we could all tell, Deshaun Watson is still a good quarterback and was still playing at a really high level despite having no receivers and no offensive line and half of a defense. Like, I mean, very clearly you can tell when a really good quarterback is just overcoming and struggling through bad circumstances. But Darnold has been, at times, a bad quarterback in bad circumstances and has had some flashes in there. But, like, he's not overcoming the circumstances in a way that says, I should really go in after this quarterback. Like, I would take Darnold if it was cheap and affordable like I'm not gonna go make Darnold my priority and say I'm gonna give up big draft picks or anything because I think I can make something great out of him it's more like if the Jets are drafting a quarterback anyway and they're just trying to trade him to get some value and I can give up you know I I don't even know what the value is at this point a a third round pick maybe I mean you know something like that where I can yeah as as long as it's not a lot I'd, I'd take a chance on him but I'm not gonna like go all in on, like, I'm giving up whatever it takes to get this guy because I just I think we know at this point Sam Darnold is not an elite NFL quarterback. It's a question of how much better than Nick Foles can he become. And <laughs> what and so I'm not going to give up a lot to get a guy that I'm not sure if he can be much better than Nick Foles. Yeah. Yeah, Dar- Darnold is, is, is one of the more intriguing uh, prospects uh, as far as, you know, who the Bears have been rumored uh, to be connected to, uh, and, and everything like that. It just, um, he, he really does intrigue me. And, and I, and I, and I don't mean to, to, you know, to, to, to piss all over the, the, the jets like that. It's just, they've, they've been a bad franchise they deserve it. Uh, for a while. And you know, they do deserve it, at least recently, uh, anyway. And, uh, you know, who knows? I think Robert Sala is going to be a great coach. I don't know if, if he's going to be the guy in, 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 in New York and like, maybe he might have to, go somewhere else to get it figured out. I <laughs> uh, honestly did not think he would take the Jets job. He pretty much could have had any job in the league and he chose to go to New York. That must have been one hell of a pitch that uh, Joe Douglas made to to get him to take 
uh, that job. Or he also might have been must have been very excited about having the number two pick or the possibility of using that and the pick they got for Jamal Adams to maybe package it and bring Deshaun Watson into town or or, or whatever. So it's uh, any number of reasons that, that may have uh, tickled his fancy to go to New York. I thought he would have been a better fit elsewhere. So, but you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with with Darnold, what they do with that. If they pull a, a you know like a Josh Rosen and then they pick a quarterback at number two, okay, they take Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or whatever, and then later on in the evening or on day two, you hear Sam Darnold quietly traded to so and so for a third rounder and a conditional fifth rounder or something like that. Uh, you know, he's off to his to his next team now that we have our our, our new quarterback with this new regime and, and such. Yeah, I, it's just it, it's him as an unknown is is what's so intriguing, right? But but it's also where so much of the risk comes. Like we know what Jameis Winston is and what he isn't at this point, and it's a question of like, is that specifically what you want for your team? We we kind of know what Cam Newton is and is. We know what Ryan Fitzpatrick and Alex Smith are, but what they're not. But I, I think the the young quarterback here that we we don't know what he is. That I'm a little bit more intrigued. Of like I I'm. I'm less like I, there's a bigger chance that Sam Darnold is is bad, but Gardner Minshew from the Jaguars, I still feel like is maybe the bigger of the unknowns. Like Darnold has questions, like question marks, but I feel like we kind of we kind of have an idea of the range where Darnold falls into, and I feel like we haven't seen enough Gardner Minshew to really know where his exact ceiling is. Again, we we know he's not Patrick Mahomes, we know he's not a top five quarterback, but could he be? Uh, a difference maker, a quarterback who elevates the level of play of players around him? M- maybe. I mean, he's been, for a 1-7 in seven Jaguars team, much like Deshaun Watson, like, we saw Gardner Minshew play well in spite of having poor supporting cast, poor coaching staff, poor receivers, poor offensive line, poor defense. He still played well. He didn't play great, but he played well. And, and like, I would have more confidence in pulling him out of Jacksonville and better supporting him in Chicago and getting, you know, a, a Kirk Cousins plus level quarterback that's pretty good, but not elite than I do of all of a sudden Darnold eliminating all of his mistakes and, and being a, a totally fixed quarterback. Like, I don't, I mean, it's not to say that Minshew is guaranteed to be better, but I, I like my odds there just a little bit more. And I don't know that Jacksonville is going to be super willing to give up Minshew for nothing he could be a high quality backup for them and there's something that bothers me about trading for Jaguars quarterbacks in two straight off seasons but like <laughs> you got to go where the, the talent is and and Minshew is young and exciting and he's you know he's he's got the swagger and everything I mean he's and he, that's kind of what makes him a good fit for Chicago is that yeah. he's already character and if he comes in with this Jim McMahon-esque type attitude and succeeds in Chicago he can be a king in the Windy City for sure. Oh, absolutely. You know, he comes out, slings the ball around with his porn stash and his <laughs> aviator glasses and, you know, his jean shorts and all that kind of stuff. This guy will be a legend in Chicago in no time. Yeah, I mean, Minshew mania is, is very real. And, like, that's the thing. It's like I compare him with Darnold. Like, Minshew has had some of the same flashes that Darnold has had, but we haven't really seen the same, like— at least as many of the same stinkers. Like, every quarterback is going to have bad games here and there, but I feel like Darnold had some really, like, off-the-rails, this-is-a-broken-quarterback-type performance, whereas, 
you know, Minshew's had a couple of bad throws here and there and a couple of bad games here and there, but we've seen the same amount of flashes, and he's even younger and even a little bit more unknown and, and even a little bit better at overcoming some of his circumstances. So that I don't, I don't know what his value is going to be at this point or how eager Jacksonville is going to be to get rid of him, but, like, he's, he's kind of the shiny unknown that, like, if I'm going to take a chance on a guy and take a, a lottery ticket that might not be as expensive as some of these other lottery tickets, and a little bit more sure of a thing than just drafting some rookie in the second or third round, eh, I'll, I'll take Minshew. Yeah, he's he's intriguing uh, for sure. I, I, I've kind of uh, warmed up to the idea of, of the Bears taking a flyer on on Minshew, maybe like a day three pick, like a, a five or, or something like that, trade that away to uh, – because you know Pace has had nothing but success with fifth round picks, so why not use one to bring <laughs> in the quarterback that we need? You know what I mean? Put him that magic touch he has with fifth round picks. Let's see if we got a condition or do we are we we got compensatory picks coming this year, don't we? I think just late, late round, like you know, yeah. seventh or sixth round, one or two of them. But the Robert Quinn signing and Jimmy Graham took away a lot of the uh, the compensatory uh, formula. Okay. I got to figure that out one of these days because I can never quite figure out why why these teams always seem to get third round picks and the Bears get stuck with like an extra sixth or seventh rounder uh, and things like that. I've, I've always been confused with the compensatory uh, formula. I was going to say the short answer is that like in the last five years, the Bears have been one of the top five spending teams in free agency. And it's it's all about what you spend versus what you lose in terms of players. And if. If there's a deficiency, if you lose more than you than you gain in terms of free agents, then they reward you with compensatory picks. And how they assign the round value is some kind of dollar amount formula that I don't understand. But I just know you can plug in how many free agents you saw leave and what they signed for versus how many free agents you signed and brought in and how much you spent on them. And the teams that spend the most get the fewest compensatory picks. So even as you explain it to me, it still doesn't make any sense. So I'm just going to go ahead and and give up on trying to understand <laughs> the whole compensatory thing. So thank you for trying, but uh, I'm a pretty smart guy, and all I heard was wonk, 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 <laughs> dollar value, wonk, 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 to this, and like, okay, never mind. <laughs> never mind. It, it's trying to, it's, it's like trying to figure out how they're able to, like the, the deal that Big Ben signed yesterday or today or whatever it was. The void years? It's essentially, yeah, a one-year, $14 million deal but it's got voidable years that go through 2025 that spread the cap hit amongst these years so that his his cap hit for this year was which was like 41 million dollars is now like down to like 22 or something like that it's like how, how is this allowed like i mean and i know the bears have taken advantage of this from time to time but it's just like how is it that they're managing to do that to sign him to a contract he will never be around if he to, to go to 2025 he'd have to have like a 23 year career to uh to pull that off but you know when, when he's probably looking at his last year in the league coming up here in 2021 so i just i um i've always kind of wondered how how they're able to finagle and you know manipulate the cap to be able to make certain things happen like that so yeah you know, I, and it always confused me on how they're able to do it. I'm very happy when the Bears can pull it off, but it still doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I would expect the Bears to do more of that this year. And it, I, I agree it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of like immediate logical sense. I guess the only way I can come down to it is like, well, you know if the player wants to help his team, you know by agreeing to this 
basically like fake half of a contract just because it because right. the player still gets the same amount of money either way. It's just this allows the team to kind of cook the books a little bit more. And so if the player agrees to it and the team agrees to it, that's and that's negotiations. There lies the the thing you said, cook the books, which makes it feel like legal cheating. You know, it, it, like you're you're gaming the system, but you're also it, it, out in plain sight. And you're getting away with it. That's that's why it's always kind of felt like, how is this allowed? How are they able to to do this? How is the league allowing it? You know, that's kind of what, uh, you know, my thing is, uh, you know, and also in, in reverse at the same time, the hole that the, the Steelers dug themselves into with Roethlisberger's cap hit being forty one million dollars when he was only due to make 19 this season. So how is his cap hit? more than double what his actual salary was supposed <laughs> to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was supposed to make $19 million this season, or at least that's what I read over and over uh, today. His salary's only been lowered by $5 million, but he saved the team like 14 or $19 million uh, in, in cap space or cap hit or, or whatever by signing this one-year deal with four extra voidable seasons on it. I mean, just that, I can't believe I got it right. You know, just saying all that. That's how confusing that whole thing is. But just for someone to make $19 million and be a $41 million cap hit is where my brain starts to fry. I say just think of it as like the Bobby Bonilla contract in baseball where he's, he's still getting paid like still 20 years later. That Those are those are the void years that they're throwing on for Ben Roethlisberger. So he can still get paid and the team can spread out that impact. So they don't have to pay it all back at once. It's kind of like a loan. You know, they're, they're taking out a loan and they're pushing their debt into the future as opposed to paying it all right now. See, that makes more sense. Taking out a loan, pushing it towards the, and the NFL is allowing it. Because you thing. still have to pay it, right? I mean, that's the thing. These yes. teams don't get yeah. out of paying it. They just spread the, lo- the contract loan out over multiple years instead of having to pay it all up at front. See, that makes more sense. That, as far as cap hit, that makes more sense. But what kind of Loans were they taking to turn $19 million <laughs> into a $41 million cap hit? I mean, that's insane. Yeah, it's but, um, it's weird. Yeah. So anyway, let's get back to our quarterbacks. Uh, so we've covered, we talked a bit about Minshew. We talked a bit about Alex Smith. We got Jameis Winston. Have I missed anyone so far? Uh, Darnold. S- yeah, talked Sam about him. And we, we glossed Sam over Darn- Derek Carr a little bit. I mean, yeah, it's- Derek Carr. I, you know, he was the one that I was hot on last year. When, you know, before we traded for Foles, uh, it's like the the con or the pro was he's, you know, as far as quarterbacks concerned on a very budget friendly deal, 21, 22 million a season. He's definitely a proven guy. He's one of the top, top, you know, higher tier quarterbacks, maybe that top tier, but maybe like in the second level or so. And, you know, put him together with tools that we have. That could be something special. I mean, I, I was looking, hoping that the Bears might do that for 2020. They don't. They bring Mitch back. They trade for Foles, and we saw how that worked out. Now, after having his best season as a pro, his price tag has gone up significantly, and you know, why would the Raiders trade him, first of all? And, and when you mentioned it before, I, I the only thing that I could see them, you know, trading Derek Carr would be to use those picks to bundle them for Winston or Wilson. Yeah, and presumably the Seahawks or Texans would just want Carr instead of those. I mean, maybe they would want the picks instead, but for the most part you would think that they would, because they're going to get picks in addition to Carr anyway, so you might as well 
take the picks and the quarterbacks there. But yeah, it's he 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 to me seemed like the, the far and ahead a better option than any of the free agent quarterbacks, right? I mean, like I th- I put. I put Deshaun Watson clearly at the top in his own kind of category. Russell Wilson up in that category. Then there's a little bit of a break, and then there's kind of Derek Carr. Is, he's not quite as elite as those guys, but he's better than all these other starting quarterback options. And then it's kind of this mix of, you know, Darnold, Garner Minshew, Alex Smith, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe. I mean, you know, those kind of guys that don't get you, like, super excited. Winston, you know, Fitzpatrick. Cam Newton, and then, you know, we could throw Dak Prescott in that higher-up deal, but he's he's one of them we did do a podcast on. Cowboys are going to franchise tag him, but the Cowboys may draft a quarterback and then try and trade Dak Prescott on the franchise tag. So that one is still a potential possibility there, but it's like a $38 million franchise tag. So, like, the Bears, I, I don't know how they would try and work that out, but it, it's it's just a lot of these guys, you know, throw throw Andy Dalton in there too. They're just how, – how many of these quarterbacks – below Derek Carr, make elevate the level of play of players around them. You know, Nick Foles doesn't really elevate the play of players around him, but he can. You can win with him. You don't win because of him. And I think, you know, you can you can win because of Jameis Winston sometimes, but sometimes you can't. I think you can win because of Cam Newton sometimes, and sometimes you can't. But I don't know if Darnold fits that category. Minshew kind of fits that category. You know, Fitzpatrick, you know, all these kind of guys are, are right teetering on that line of, like, how much better do they make your team? Yeah. So, um, so let's get to the two heavyweights then. Um, Wilson and, and Watson. And the last time that we talked, we did go back and forth a bit, uh, on Watson. Um, I I still stand by the fact that, um, I'm, I would love for the bears to have Watson. I just don't, I it's the, the price tag scares the hell out of me. It it just does. And, and, and more so the, the impending annoyance of listening to people complain about Winston or Watson's lack of a supporting cast because we traded away all the assets that we would have used to get him one. And, um, I'm still kind of stuck on that. And, and I, and I do see the merits in your argument that this is a, you know, five to 10 year, a you know commitment that the bears are making that they'll be that they'll pay the heaviest part of in the first three years after we get all of our picks back uh and everything it's just that you know making watson is a win now move not a or the price tag i should say that's a deal that you make if you just need the quarterback to make the next step and for me the bears have too many holes to pay a price like that and and then I think if you make that deal like and you're going long term with Deshaun Watson, that sort of locks in Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace as the guys to build around him for the next five. To, I mean, five to ten years is maybe a lot to lock them in. But you know what I mean? Like that's kind of the other thing that comes with this is like, well, if you're if you're going long term there, then you have to kind of go long term with the guys that are bringing him in. Maybe not Nagy, but Pace. He's got to be kind of allowed to see that through. You're going to fire him one year after bringing... I mean, this is his way of saving his job would be to try and trade for this quarterback. And maybe you don't win as much in year one, but you kind of you kind of understand that this is not going to be a trade that puts you in the Super Bowl contention right away in the first year. But, but I don't know. The longer these trade things go on, the, the fewer teams that are going to be able and willing to give up maximum assets. Because at some point... 
the Bears and all these other teams have to start paying other players and start to have to build the rest of their rosters and can't just leave all this cap space available to absorb these trades. So, like, their price tags go down, I think, the longer this goes as opposed to, like, going up as, you know, I don't think we're looking at a bidding war building. I think we're looking at, like, teams running out of patience and running out of time and then the Seahawks and the Texans struggling to find a trade partner that's willing to give up three first-round picks and all these players because you just can't leave your team in that flexible of a position all off-season long. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. The closer we get to the draft, the, 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 the opportunities will start to dry up and the price tag will go down. So, I mean, there's, um, there, there's something about giving up three first-round picks that include this season. Um, so it's only two more after this, but it's, it's something else entirely if you ask for three first round picks after the draft and it'll be four years again before we're drafting in the first round. No, thank you. <laughs> well, like you if, know, if, so. if you're Ryan Pace, how, how long can you wait to not address your quarterback position? You know, if you really wanted Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, can you, can you go to draft day with Nick Foles as your only quarterback under contract? I mean, right. can, I mean, can do you have the stomach? Do you, can you take that risk? Can you feel like, wow, I'm, you're going all in on either Watson or else we're rolling with Nick Foles again, like or or Winston or whatever quarterback. But like, I just don't see Ryan Pace having that patience or that that stomach really to to go that all in on a trade that may or may not even happen for either quarterback. And and I wonder how much the uh, role the, the the McCaskies and and Ted Phillips and such have played in the fact that the Bears have not made that move already. You know, well, partially like, the t- would they be willing to allow um, Pace to make that move on his own without, uh, you know, without I mean, I know they have to approve every deal anyway, because that's what they do. But, uh, you know, how willing are they to part with uh, to part with, you know, a future that that Pace might not be a part of? Yeah, it sounds like Ryan Pace has said, you know, they've got all they've got full clearance from Ted and George, which points to organizational hierarchies there that we don't all love. But, <laughs> but like, the Texans are just not, they're not entertaining calls right now. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're perhaps picking up the phone, they're listening, but the Texans are not, they're all along the way they've said, we're not trading to Sean Watson, we're not trading to Sean Watson, we're not going to take any offers right now. And maybe that's a leverage thing, and maybe they're just trying to play things up. But, like, the Seahawks, on the other hand, are listening. They are they are taking calls. They are placing calls. They're all in that discussion. So I think they, that's the one that could have is much more possible to happen sh- more recently. But I I really feel like the Texans are going to drag this on and really stare down Deshaun Watson and like it's going to be training camp and Watson says I'm not going to play and the Texans say you're going to play and you know is Watson going to settle the whole season? Like that's that's where I think that one's going to go. Whereas I think Seattle will kind of get some direction either way on whether Wilson's going to patch things up or whether there's going to be a trade sometime before draft day. <laughs> this episode of the Bear Stock Underground is brought to you by eBay Sneakers. From rare dead stock to the latest release, you can find the exact sneaker you're looking for on eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, a team of independent professional authenticators perform a rigorous inspection of the sneakers you purchase before they're sent to you so you can shop confidently knowing your pair is the real deal. 
And in partnership with eBay, Armchair Media will be raffling off four custom-made sneakers. Each purchase you make before March 31st through ebay.com slash sneakers will enter you into a drawing for one of four pairs of Air Force One low tops. Just send a screenshot of your purchase to at Armchair Media on Twitter or Instagram. And for the sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers of $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. With other sites taking as much as 25%, you're going to have a lot of extra money left for more sneakers. So check out ebay.com slash sneakers today. That's ebay.com slash sneakers. <laughs> the Bear Stock Underground is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA is in full swing, and college basketball heats up as the schools make their way to the madness. The tournament is coming, and so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest, as Bet Online is the spot to be for all your bracketology needs. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website now or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. <laughs> This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? 
Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past— And the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Well, I, I kind of think that the dam was starting to break when, it was, when, when I think it was yesterday or the day before where the headline came out that Seattle's not happy with all of the noise around Russell Wilson and, and what he started and everything. And then the headline comes out today that they're answering the calls that are coming in for Russell Wilson now. So I think the dam is broken, and now it's just a matter of, you know, behind the scenes, do they have enough fingers to plug up the holes to make everyone happy again, or are they just going to wait for the dam to burst and, and set him free? See, I, I, I get the impression, like, just from everything we hear publicly, this feels like 
uh, I mean, obviously it's a power struggle between Wilson and, and Pete Carroll, but it feels like both sides trying to kind of call each other's bluffs. Like, I don't think the Seahawks really want to trade Russell Wilson, and I don't think Russell Wilson really wants to be traded from the Seahawks. What he wants is more power and more control in Seattle, certainly, but like, and so, you know, he floats as like, well, we haven't formally requested a trade, but we would be interested in these teams. And then the Seahawks are saying, oh, well, well, we'll listen to calls. Russell, if you really want to be traded, if you really want to leave Seattle and uproot your family, well, we'll listen to the calls. And then Russell Wilson says, oh, you're listening to calls? Well, I like the Chicago Bears because of the city. And the report today was that he thinks their offensive line is improving or like the way their offensive line improved last season is part of why he likes Chicago. I'm like, come on. I mean, doesn't that to you just scream like Russell Wilson's trying to like, again, like play this, call the Seahawks bluff and say, see, let's see, what do I like about Chicago? Uh, Matt Nagy, uh, I like the city. Uh, uh, Their offensive line played better last year. Yeah, throw that one in there too. Yeah, their offensive line's getting better. You know, like it just feels like a a poor attempt at at trying to drum up this, this, this side of him calling the Seahawks bluff. Like they're both saying, trade me. Oh, I dare you to trade me. Well, we're going to trade you. Okay, do it. You know, like, but neither, neither side really wants the trade to happen maybe you know maybe and but uh, a girl can dream and uh you know <laughs> i would uh, i think out of all the options the one that i'm sweetest on believe it or not is russell wilson really uh, that's the one that that intrigues me the most and mostly because of what wilson is capable of the things that i've seen wilson do the throws that i've seen him make probably because what he can do with his deep ball has been the one thing that Trubisky can't do that Foles only hit maybe one or two of uh, last year. And just something that fundamentally most quarterbacks that we've seen in our lifetime and especially mine, we, we can't hit the deep ball. And Russell Wilson has the kind of touch on a deep ball where a wide receiver can run blindfolded down the sidelines and just stick his hands out and Wilson will put it there. That's the kind of touch I've seen that guy make for him to be able to. And the angle that the ball will drop in on makes it impossible for DBs to make a play on it. And for that guy to be throwing passes to one of my receivers here in Chicago gets me very, very excited. But like, are you willing to give up multiple first round picks? I mean, it's 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 a, it's not Deshaun Watson quite level of compensation, but it's going to be I, significant, you know, and, and he's, what, 31, 32, something like yeah. that? Yeah, but he's also a quarterback, and those guys tend to live long lives in the NFL these days. So, I mean, it's like I know that he's, what, seven, eight years older than, than, than Watson uh, and everything. He's taken a beating with the 400 sacks or whatever in his eight or nine seasons. To his credit, uh, he hasn't no, missed a game. True. That's that's also true, which is kind of miraculous, given everything you just said. Yeah, but it's just I. If if gun to my head, you're telling me the package is, you know, three first round picks. I'm trading for Wilson and not Watson. Really? Because yeah, I I would prefer Wilson over Watson. I see. I just feel like the age is is so critical of a difference there. Like I think closer to a Super Bowl with Wilson than I do with Watson. Are you that? Are you are you seven years closer? You know what I mean. Like that's that's what I come back to is like you have you have Wilson for you know he's he's thirty two right now. So you realistically five really good seasons and then maybe a couple more after that. Versus Watson, if he's going to go to the same age, you get another five more, maybe seven more. You get you know twelve plus seasons 
of really good quarterback play. I mean, like, even if you think Wilson's a better quarterback right now, which he, he very well might be, like, you're just getting a longer-term option with with Deshaun Watson. I think it also, in, in Watson's defense, I've seen Wilson play a lot more than I have Deshaun Watson. I've, I've, I've had, had very few opportunities to sit down and watch a Houston Texans game. But, you know, with, with Seattle being on the West Coast, they're always the late game. Therefore, we get to see them play a lot more than I would, you know, an AFC team or, or with, the, with, the, um, with the Texans uh, and such. Even in, just in the last few years, I've seen Wilson play way more times well, than Watson. And I'm always kind of in awe of the things that Wilson does, especially when he throws the ball deep. And, you know, I'm not denying the fact that Watson's a good football player it's just that by my eyes I would prefer what Wilson does over what I've seen Watson do and 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 to your point you know Russell Wilson has Super Bowl experience a lot more playoff experience has been more battle tested in some of those ways whereas Watson may still have some learning curves to go he could very well get there but like he may have to suffer a couple more playoff losses and and go through those experiences to kind of learn how to handle those stages whereas Wilson's a little bit more championship ready in that regard. Here's another caveat for you. If this was a new GM, new head coach, I want Watson over Wilson. Cause then we're talking, we're building towards something. We're building towards being that sustainable team. That's in the playoffs every year. That's in the hunt for the division every single year uh, and all that kind of stuff versus Wilson. It's, it's much more of a win now. And I think we're a lot closer with Wilson than we would be with Watson today. Does it does it sway you at all that Russell Wilson's middle name is Carrington? <laughs> I just looked up his, his pro football reference page. It's Russell Carrington Wilson. Oh, uh, that's 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 rough. That's that's a huge foul on that one. Although mom just, and dad, it, it appears Deshaun Watson's middle name is Deshaun. His name is Derek Deshaun Watson, and he goes by his middle name. So clearly. Both of them with some some naming conventions there. Nice pull, that's, by the way. That's how we pick our quarterbacks uh, in Chicago. Is we, well, who's the yeah. middle name? You know. Yeah, I'll take the one with the tough name like Deshaun instead of that Nancy Carrington name or whatever the hell you said his <laughs> name was. Yeah, let's let's go with that one. But, Mitchell uh, Mitchell Trubisky and I don't know, I didn't put Mitch's middle name, but Nicholas Edward Foles is my quarterback. Yes. And as I no. as I filibuster, Mitchell David Trubisky. That's just a it's a three <laughs> hard hitting names, you know. Nicholas yeah. Edward Foles, Mitchell David Trubisky, but Russell Carrington Wilson is just not not a quarterback name. It's very dignified. Very <laughs> sir Sir Russell Carrington of Wilson. Yes, exactly. That's beautiful. <laughs> but you know, like I said, with with Nagy and Pace. I feel like Wilson is the better move. It's 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 actually one that will tend to probably pay off for them to maybe save their jobs versus Watson, which is a trade that neither of them may be around long enough to see the benefits of. Yeah. So that's that's more of a of a long term, you know, hope for the best in the future, two, three, four years down the line from now versus what Nagy and Pace need, which is somebody to take them from eight and eight to like. 11 and five back to 12 and four into the, you know, second, third round uh, of, of the playoffs. And I think Wilson is better equipped to do that now than Watson would be. In some sense, don't you think either quarterback 
basically ensures a contract extension for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. Like, because, of course, either quarterback, if they're coming here, they're in part coming here because of Matt Nagy. They're not going to come here to play for a fired head, you know, to play for the next head coach. Honestly, GM. with Wilson, I don't think he cares. I honestly don't think he cares. I think actually one of the reasons he picked Chicago is that he wants to go to a team that would allow him to have the input that Seattle wouldn't let him have. So if he comes in here and it doesn't work out year one, Pace and Nagy are out, you know, maybe he does finally get to sit in on the meetings or get some kind of input on who his next head coach is going to be, who the next general manager will be. I mean, that's why Watson wants out of Houston. Yeah. Is they hired a head coach he didn't want and a GM that he certainly didn't care for. It was for him. It was like being bringing Bill O'Brien in all over again. It's just another Patriot guy that they're bringing uh, to Houston, even though that that little con consortium of experts recommended, you know, everybody but the guy that they <laughs> hired to be their GM. So it's like the, it's I think with Wilson coming to Chicago or maybe even that's why Watson would be interested in coming to Chicago is that if it doesn't work out year one, then I do get a seat at the table when it comes time to pick a head coach or or a GM for the the next one. I think that's why it would be intriguing to either one of those guys to come here despite the situation they're walking into. But can you imagine the trade negotiations? Like, if, if you're Ryan Pace and you're reaching out to Deshaun Watson, like, hey, Deshaun, we want you to come here. He's like, great. Can you guys ensure me that if you get fired, I get to pick your replacement? <laughs> <laughs> like, does he have to have I a special side a, conversation a with George McCaskey? A private conversation I'd have with George McCaskey. But yeah, does he have a, like, he's like, Hey, Ryan, could you step out of the room for this part of the negotiations? We have to talk about something else. Like, when do you have that talk? Yeah. Hey, Ryan, would you mind giving me a cup of coffee? Man, is that possible? <laughs> uh, the, just the adults. Outside? The adults need to speak yeah. for a moment. Yeah, or like, uh, have you ever seen A Few Good Men? I have. I'm terrible at movies, and I know you're the opposite, oh, but I've never seen shame. it. No. There's a scene at the beginning of the movie where there's, uh, you know, people, you know, officers sitting in a room and the commander in the room is like, you know, um, commander, won't you uh, get yourself a cup of coffee? And she's like, thank you. I'm fine. And he's like, commander, we'd like you to leave the room so we can talk about you behind your back. Like, oh, <laughs> yes, sir. And she gets up and she leaves. So that's kind of like what that what that would be. It's like, Ryan, would you mind? Grab me a cup of coffee. It's like, well, we can have so and so. Ryan, I'd like you to leave the room so we can talk about you behind your back. please. Thank you very much. <laughs> but like, how do you how do you ensure that power to Wilson or, or Watson without having somebody behind them. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. you'd think Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy would be involved in pretty much any and all discussion and the whole sales pitch of like, Hey, here's what we're going to do. And it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's fascinating. It's just kind of curious to me that the, the four teams that Wilson laid out, Dallas, New Orleans, Las Vegas, Chicago, of those four teams, which is the most likely to bend on something like that? It would be Chicago by a mile. Because in Dallas, you have Jerry Jones. Well, I was say, don't you think he could get Jerry Jones's ear and just kind of control Jerry? Maybe. But I don't know. That hasn't always Maybe. gone well, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But New Orleans? No. I mean, I see New Orleans, but that's salary cap hell. He's never. That's never going to happen uh, with what he's making <laughs> or what he wants to get paid and everything. That's the, unfortunately that's just not going to happen. That's the, more of a dream destination for the, him. And then Vegas, you got Gruden and Mayock out there and on a, and not to mention the fact that your quarter your coach is in like year three of a 10-year 10, 10 million dollar deal 
they're not going to sit him at home for the next seven years paying <laughs> him $10 million a season. That's not going to happen. So, you know, maybe the maybe Gruden and, and Gruden's the biggest egoist in the whole on in the whole league. No way he's going to let Russell Wilson tell him what plays he's calling. I love Russell Wilson, man. That guy can play quarterback. I'll tell you what. Like, <laughs> I could just picture them. What, man. Being, yeah. I'm calling the plays. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I don't see that happening at all. But it's like the most likely of those four choices that he made, Chicago is the one. And Chicago is also the most likely, except maybe Dallas, that's going to have a new regime in 2022, most likely. I don't know. So, Ryan Pace can sell him on collaboration. Russell, we want you to be a part of our collaboration. Didn't he make a joke about that in the press conference? Yeah, about he how did. He said the word collaboration a lot in the first <laughs> yeah. go around back in January. Yeah, at least they have some self awareness. Yeah, but yeah, out, out of the out of the quarterbacks, if I had to do a power rankings, it would be uh, Wilson for me as one, and then Watson would be like a one A. Who's, uh, in who's that, next in that scenario? Who's next? Yeah. That's the just hard. based on on who I'd like to see in a bear uniform. Yeah. Derek Carr would be the next one. How about take 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 Derek Carr and Dak Prescott out of the mix? Who's next? Yeah, honestly, Prescott's not on my list. Really? No. Mm-mm. Any no. Per, any I, particular I think reason? That was, I think that was right place, right time for for Prescott. I don't think he does that anywhere else. I don't know, but man. With that offensive line and Zeke Elliott, uh, you know, being on the team already, it was the perfect situation for him. You know, to be able to grow in that position and uh, and all that kind of stuff, I think that was lightning in a bottle for Dak Prescott. I think if he goes somewhere else, he's not a bad quarterback. But like, say, if the Bears drafted him, which they had a chance to, because Prescott was a fourth round pick that year, uh, I don't think we're even talking about Prescott right now. I don't know. Twenty nineteen, last year of Jason Garrett, he threw for forty nine hundred yards, thirty touchdowns, and eleven picks. I mean, I mean, they went eight and eight, and they had a healthy Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, I understand he and two thousand yard receivers, but like, he's been he's been pretty he's been pretty consistently good. I mean, he's not again, he's not Deshaun Watson, he's not Russell Wilson. We're not putting him in that category, but I put him in the Derek Carr. You know, he's in that top ten, but not top five type range that maybe exceeds more than five players. Yeah, I I just I don't it, like I just wouldn't see it working out in Chicago. I wouldn't see it working out in Chicago. So that's why he's not on the list. Derek Carr, I think he can flourish in Chicago because I think he is an elevation kind of guy. I I think Prescott is growing into that, but like I said, he had like the league's best offensive lineman. He had an unbelievable running game when he came with I mean they went 13 as 3 his rookie year in the league. They took the league by storm and it was mostly on the back of you know, that offensive line, Ezekiel Elliott and their defense that they got as far as they did. I mean, Prescott certainly did a lot to to do his part. But, you know, I think even if Romo stayed healthy, they come close to what they did that year just because of, of everything else surrounding the quarterback that season. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I I think you're not giving him enough credit for what he's done since then. But I, I understand. I, I, I get where you're coming from, and he certainly wouldn't have the, yeah, the supporting I'm, I'm cast in Chicago. I'm saying that, you know, he has grown into the quarterback that he has. But I don't know if he'd be who he is now if he didn't have that in the beginning. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I guess now he is the quarterback that he is now, and I think that would yeah. translate okay to Chicago now. It wouldn't It wouldn't have if you took him in the fourth round in 2013, whatever year that was, absolutely. Yeah. But, so, but, but, of, and, but of the other, like of the free agent quarterbacks plus, you know, like uh, let me, th- I have the list up here I had for myself. So like let's say, Darnold, Garoppolo, Minshew, Alex Smith, Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Cam Newton, Jacoby Brissett, Tyler, Tyrod Taylor, Andy Dalton. 
out of that, you know, those next group of guys, if you had, you know, gun to your head, you got to pick one to ch- ch- swap out for Nick Foles. Where are you going? Just one. I mean, one out of that group. I you don't, you don't really have room for two on the roster. You know, what I mean, like you have yeah. to you have to either trade for Donald Garoppolo, Minshew, or sign, you know, Alex Smith, Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Cam Newton, etc. Yeah, Cam Newton's off the list. I didn't want him last year. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's because he's done. I just think Cam Newton's done. Um, and I think he proved that, uh, you know, even though the, the, the Patriots were not the Patriots last year, um, they just, you know, he didn't, he didn't add or subtract as far as I'm concerned mm-hmm. with, to what, uh, New England did, uh, last year. So Minshew, Tyrod Taylor is interesting. It, well, and right, it, it's hard because all these quarterbacks are all in the same group, right? It's hard to yeah. kind of – none of them are clearly better than Tyra the rest. Taylor is captain stopgap, you know, yes. or the captain bridge quarterback. So if the Bears draft a quarterback or, or something like that, then, yeah, give me Tyrod Taylor. Let him start the first six or seven games and let the rookie take over after that. or Instead or, of or Nick Foles? Or would you rather take Nick Foles over any of those guys because you don't have to trade – you don't have to sign anybody. You don't have to trade anything. He's already under contract and he's fairly cheap. Well, it, it, that kind of goes back to what I was saying before, whereas, you know, it's like I know we're giving, you know, we're, we're dumping on, on uh, a lot on, on Nick Foles, but he also took the worst of it last year with the offensive line and the, especially that Minnesota game. Montgomery didn't play uh, against the Vikings and just what a disaster that was that ended up in him uh, getting hurt uh, at the end of the night. He did not we did not get a chance to see what Foles would have looked like behind the offensive line that, that Mitchell Trubisky walked into from Green Bay on mm-hmm. through the end of the season. Not that they turned into the Rock of Gibraltar and, <laughs> and you know, Trubisky had 15 seconds to throw the ball uh, or anything like that, but they had a running game that they did not have when, when Foles was there. So play action would have been more of a possibility. I think Foles might have actually been better at that than uh than mitch was and, and he reads the field obviously a lot better so we're not looking at all of those rollouts that cut the field in half and and you know lessens the reads to make things easier for trubisky and and things like that it, it is more of the offense that fo- that uh, Nagy wants to run with Foles. and if he had a healthy more together offensive line who knows what happens uh with the offense especially with that that element of david montgomery being able to to assume to basically run the ball at will, especially in those first three four games after the bye week. So answer the question, Larry. Which of these quarterbacks? <laughs> or would you rather say Foles? I mean, I- no, I wouldn't. Um, just because you know we we've seen what we've seen the worst of uh, Foles. We've seen the best of him. You know, a in the playoff game where he beat us, and in, in the year before uh, in in the Super Bowl uh, run and. I'm, I don't think I'm really interested in anything in between uh, for for Foles. So if, if I had to take one of those guys, I would probably go with Minshew. Yeah. Just for the, the extra added element of him being the character that he is, and it would be fun to root for that guy. <laughs> I it think, absolutely would yeah. be fun to root for that guy. So, you know, and like I said, he would be an absolute legend if he came to Chicago and let's say the Bears miraculously, like this past season, they start three zero. They're throwing a parade carrying that guy on his shoulders, especially if he's uh, had a like three hundred yard four touchdown game to get us there. You know, not uh, 
squeaking by by the skin of our teeth and our defense got us this and we won a game 12 to 6 or something like that. I'm talking about, you know, Minshew coming in and throwing four touchdowns and 400 plus yards and uh, we won, you know, 41 to 10 or something like that. That that's 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 what the kind of thing that would turn him into a legend and he's rocking the porn stash and the jean shorts all at the same time. So, <laughs> yeah, that that would make him uh that would make him a, a, a Chicago legend. You could put him on the Chicago Mount Rushmore at that point. So it's a low bar for the Chicago Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks for sure. But indeed, still. indeed. <laughs> so, and I also think he'd be the cheapest to get that for someone that we have to pay for because he's under contract with with the Jaguars. I don't think it would cost more than a day three pick to get him. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they want as much as they can get, but he's their backup quarterback. I mean, like, if they draft Trevor Lawrence, they don't need another young guy. They could re-sign Mike Glennon. And have, and they also have uh, Jake Luton, the other six-round pick of theirs. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think he's a good mix of, of price and ceiling and fun among all these quarterbacks. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I would like him. And then, for me, the fantasy pick is, is uh, with this regime, is Wilson over Watson. Makes I, I it's hard. I mean, I I would, you know, I think I I prefer Watson over Wilson, and I ca- I can't argue with you against Minshew though. I think he is if I if I'm trading for a quarterback, it's Minshew. If I'm signing the quarterback, that's a free agent. I'm I'm leaning Jameis Winston above the rest, but I think we could have fun with Ryan Fitzpatrick too. The Fitz magic thing could be exciting, but it's hard to get super excited about like a 37, 38 year old free agent quarterback. Yeah. Well, here's here's an interesting aspect. Of it, you say the Cowboys are going to uh, franchise Prescott. What if they don't? I I was told ninety nine percent they're either going to franchise tag him or they're going to reach a new contract with him, but they're not going to let him hit the open market. They might trade him after they franchise tag him because they may mm-hmm. draft a quarterback, but they're not just going to let him openly negotiate somewhere else. They're they're like Jerry I'll Jones play wants him with me, Lauren. He's on the open market. Dallas got cold feet or Jerry Jones wasn't going to pay him $38 million just to go through fruitless contract negotiations again this summer and, and have his team have to answer questions about the contract situation, even for a guy that got hurt and missed 11 or 12 games or whatever it was last year. We're not doing this again. So if he's not going to agree to a contract, just let him go and let's move on with the next one. He's on the free agent market. There he is, you know. Then where does he hit your power rankings on this one? I mean, I put him at the top. I put him above Jameis Winston. I, I'm a much bigger believer in in Dak Prescott than you are, and I and that's and I think that's it's your position is fair on that, and I and I totally respect Here's that. Here's the thing. But. Here's the thing. Even though I'm I'm cold on on Prescott, he's a significant upgrade over what we've had for God knows how many years. So. I wouldn't be upset if the Bears signed him, but we're talking about Prescott versus Wilson versus Watson versus blah, 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 blah. I would rank all of those guys ahead of Prescott. But if he hits the free agent market and it's not going to cost us our future like it would with Wilson or Watson or even Derek Carr, Prescott is number one on the board. The, but the the starting contract number for negotiations, so the minimum you're going to get him for is thirty five million a year. Probably more like he he's looking for forty million dollars a year, which which is a problem this season. But next year, after the TV money comes in and and all that, and the salary cap goes back up to normal, you know, yeah, it sucks. You to can be paying that much to one guy, but you, you can know, make it work for sure. Exactly. 
you know, like we were talking about before, you can finagle the salary cap to turn a $35 million salary into 17 somehow and, you know, worry about it in 2027 uh, when his salary cap hit is, you know, $60 million. And we got to figure out how to how to get that lower or sign him to an extension so we can squeeze that out over some voidable years and all that kind of stuff. So, Well, that's the thing about contracts, right? It's like, say say Prescott signs for $40 million a year this offseason. Next year, Josh Allen is going to sign his contract extension with the Bills. Baker Mayfield's going to sign a contract extension with the Browns. I think there's another young Lamar Jackson or one of these other young quarterbacks is yeah. set to cash in. So, like... They're going to push it. Patrick Mahomes is getting $45 million a year. They're going to all push that number. And, and two or three years into the Dak Prescott contract, that might not be a bad deal for him. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and that's the thing, is that the salary cap's going to keep going up, which makes whatever whatever disaster we sign him to now will be that much easier <laughs> to afford year three, four, you know, two, three, four, uh, and, and, and so on. So it's just, uh, um, and, and, you know, like we talked about before, they can also – you know, manipulate the the contract or the signing or the bonus or the you know the the guaranteed money and blah 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 or whatever to take a cap hit that could be thirty something million down to to sixteen or seventeen. Because I because one of the things that also kind of you know scared me off on the Watson thing was the fact that he's got his extension in place already and is already going to average thirty five plus million dollars. But you know somebody laid it out to like even if the Bears make that trade, the cap hit is only going to be like 22 million or 23 million which is much more affordable than what he's actually getting paid and I'm like okay so salary wise it wouldn't be too bad but we're still talking about three ones and two twos and you know and god knows and Roquan and Jalen Smith all at the same time to hell with that so yeah well that's uh that's where I start to backtrack. I was saying the difference there is Russell Wilson has two more years on his deal after this and then you start getting into like okay do you pay market value for Wilson at age, what, 35, 36 when the contract actually becomes, when he would be a free agent next versus Watson is locked in through 2025 and you can feel like you'll be getting a pretty good deal if you're only paying him $30 million five years from now. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like when uh, when we we're talking about Derek Carr Yeah, last year when he got signed at $25 million a piece, which was market value. At the time, fast forward three years when he's on the back half of that contract, $22 million right now is peanuts for a starting quarterback in the NFL, especially one that plays as well as he does. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'd take that, you know, his, you know, I'd take that all, all day long as far as the deal with with Carr. I just wish we'd have pulled the trigger last year when we might have been able to get him for one of our second round picks as opposed to having to give up two ones or maybe even three. And, and I was like, oh, so is this what we're going to do? Every few years we're going to give the Raiders our first round picks uh, for one of their best players. That's, are we going to do that over and over again? That's going to be our thing, right? <laughs> just think you could be paying Carson Wentz $32 million a year. Oh, God, I am so glad that that didn't happen. I just, uh, you know, it just, this, the, the dominoes were so firmly stacked in in Indy's favor across the board. Better offensive line. Uh, their defense is just a touch better than, than ours. He's in love with Frank Reich, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. It just, everything pointed to Indy being a much better situation for him. Then the rumors about him not wanting to come to Chicago. Then the deal gets made and we find out Chicago didn't even make an offer for Wentz. So it was all hot air on what the Bears were possibly thinking of paying for him. 
But it, for me, it was like a sort of a sign of growth that Ryan, Ryan Pace yeah, didn't get absolutely. desperate and yeah. go all in and trade all this extra crap. Like, he didn't bid against himself when it felt like that's what we were gearing up to. And that's where I kind of wonder if, if George, if the McCaskies had anything to do with that. Because I think that he might have paid, like, if Ryan Pace was left up to his own devices, he might have paid the two, round, two first round picks that Roseman wanted right off the bat. Or two first-round picks? Well, they want three ones and two twos for Watson. Two two first-round picks in comparison is a bargain. So if that's all you want, deal. Just send the send the paperwork. We'll get this thing done. But instead, the Bears never made an offer. I personally believe because McCaskey wouldn't let him. If if George McCaskey and Ted Phillips have to be the one to stop your general manager from overpaying for a quarterback, you have the wrong general manager. Like exactly. That, that yeah. seems I mean, that, that, that that conspiracy theory of mine opens up a whole can of worms that it's it's just too ugly. You know what I mean? But I I just like it was a collaborative his impulsiveness, effort. His impulsiveness and his need to make a splash in the past that totally sounds like something that Pace would have done unless he was handcuffed for one reason or another. They, I'm sure it was a collaborative effort that George and George and Ted collaborated ah, on and there it the is. quarterback trade. So, all right. So one last thing as we as we wrap up here, um, one of uh, one of your one of my favorite episodes of yours that you've done recently. You had a was it was he a writer? Yeah, Tyler uh, Dunn. Blog? Yeah, for um, and he he had a he had a prior relationship with Allen Robinson when when uh, he was a beat writer for Jacksonville, when Robinson was down there and got together for like this online, like live Q and a with Alan Robinson that apparently went way longer than he expected it to. And they uncovered a lot and the two of them uh, got along uh, very well. It was a really interesting um, listen. And uh, I enjoyed that episode quite a bit. And, um, but the two of you talking about Robinson being like a $20 million receiver, I have a huge problem with. Uh, I love Allen Robinson. He's, if he isn't the best player that we have on offense, he's certainly number two. I can't think, like maybe you say Montgomery after the year, I don't know. But I don't care what pro football focus says about contested catches. I watched Allen Robinson get the ball ripped out of his hands too many times this year for anyone to make me believe that he deserves OBJ, DeAndre Hopkins money. When, when it came time for Allen Robinson to make the biggest plays, he didn't in, in a contract year. I, don't, I think he should have taken 18 if that was a deal that was on the table at the beginning of the season or whenever contract negotiations fell apart. He should have taken it while he can because I don't know if an NFL team is going to give him $20 million a year. I think a long list of NFL teams will give him twenty million a year, and I and I think when you say too many balls that slipped through his hands or was pulled out of his hands, how many? Because there were there were the two that were interceptions that I remember for sure, and there were maybe maybe what three or four others that that maybe kind of I mean you can't think of the specific you can tell me the play time I understand third down in the third quarter against the Vikings or whatever not like that but like. Uh, if you could, if you could count the total number of them, if you had to estimate the total number of those plays. What would the number be? Five or six. And how many catches and first downs and plays did you know? What I mean, like that's what I come back to is like he had 102 catches for 1,250 yards and six touchdowns this year. I will live with 
those five or six plays that he should have caught in those moments in exchange for the 95 and the 1,000 yards that he did catch and all the difficult plays that he did make that not very many wide receivers in the NFL can. Yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't see it. I just don't. Not not for that price. Pay pay him, you know, I think like 18 million is the ceiling. But is is 2 million dollar difference that big of a deal? You know what I it's mean? It's the statement that it makes. And Allen Robinson is not a top 5 wide receiver. He just flat out is not. And he so he doesn't deserve 20 million dollars uh, a season. So, I mean, we're already talking a $4 million a year raise. He wants that money for what it says, you know, because he's making $14 million. He's not starving right now. He made <laughs> $14 million a season for the last three years. He wants that money because of what that money says. And I say that paying in that money sends the wrong message because he is not DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins went three versus one in a Hail Mary, came down with the ball. Allen Robinson, one-on-one with somebody else, ball gets ripped out of his hands. No, no. He's so, not a $20 million guy. That's, like I said, the $20 million thing is more of a statement than it is that that extra $2 million is the difference between him, be, him being able to feed his family. That's nonsense. So, so you would okay? pay him $18 million. What's that? You would pay him 18 17 18 yeah. So Tyreek Hill makes 18 Odell Beckham Jr. makes 18 They're both tied for sixth highest paid wide receiver. Is you know I mean Amari Cooper is at twenty million. He's number four. Like DeAndre Hopkins is at twenty seven million a year. Julio Jones is at twenty two. You know when you start to get above twenty two, yeah, that's where I'm like, okay, you're not Julio Jones. You're not DeAndre Hopkins. But once you get past them, it's Keenan Allen at twenty million like a year. Those, those names that you gave me, Julio Jones, um, Amari Cooper, those are also big play guys. Uh, Allen Robinson is more of, in my opinion, more of a possession guy. More of a you know he's going to make the catch. But you're not going to hit him 80 yards down the field for the big play. And granted, I know what we're talking about with our quarterback situation yeah. and those opportunities just weren't there. But still, if you know, you're not going to get those lightning big time plays out of Robinson that you would out of those other guys you just named. Did you not get those lightning big time plays out of Allen Robinson in the fourth quarter against the Philadelphia Eagles in 2018? So one game is supposed to get him all that? Well. When you include the limitations of who his quarterback is, he hasn't had a... I mean, you know what I mean? So, like, even mm-hmm. with Mitch Trubisky, he's shown you the capabilities to be able to be that that type of receiver, but he's not used in that way. The Bears' offense is not taking those downfield big shots. He's running curl routes and slants 40 times a game. You know what I mean? Like, I, he's, yeah. I feel like he's doing everything he can in his power to make plays, but he's not being put in a position. He's just not running those routes. He's not being used the same way that Julio Jones is in the Falcons' offense. He's not running those routes. Yeah, well, maybe it's because he can't. He has shown the ability to. He did in Jacksonville, you know, in this 1,400-yard, 14-touchdown season. You know, he had had Blake Bortles as his quarterback, so those deep shots weren't always catchable, but they were taking those shots downfield. He can run every route. He's got the catch radius to make big-time catches that aren't spot-on accurate balls. And, yes, he had a couple ripped away this past season, a handful of them ripped away in some very critically bad spots. But, like, Mm -hmm. were those the difference between the Bears winning and losing those ball games? Not really. You know, I mean, they were the Bears had their limitations regardless of if he makes some of those plays. And, you know, obviously they're big plays and you don't want them. But over the course of a season, it's the same thing as drop passes to me. I'll take a guy that drops too many passes if he can make those big, difficult catches. And I feel like Allen Robinson does everything you need him to do. 
Yeah, for the most part. But he's he's not there when you need him. He's not a clutch guy, in my opinion. He's not. And that's what elite guys are. The Julio Joneses, the Hopkins, and uh, and, and the, the, the Amari Coopers. They're going to make those catches every single time. Or even a Calvin Ridley in, in, in Atlanta. You know, that kid would catch anything out of the sky. And it just... In, in those critical moments when you need it to get done, I'd Allen Robinson can get you the first down, but I don't know that Allen Robinson will, you know, will make the play that'll save the game for you. Does Amari Cooper strike you as a as a clutch go to wide receiver? I mean, he makes big plays, but like I don't necessarily think of him as like the killer go to guy. I mean, it's all well, it's, I'm you know I'm I'm just trying to look at reasons as to why you know Robinson would be worth that kind of money. And again, I say it's. It's the statement that that amount of money makes as opposed to what that player is actually, uh, you know, about the about the money itself. You know, it's it, like I said, it's not that he's going to make 18 million dollars a year and be on welfare. So it has to be 20 million uh, or anything like that. It's that being a 20 million dollar a year receiver says that you are elite, you are top tier and that you are in a, you know, a, a category all your own. Allen Robinson is not that guy. But don't you think. The why I mean that twenty million dollar number. I mean it's a nice round number, but like, let's like we talked about with the quarterbacks. If you pay Allen Robinson twenty million a year, that instantly makes him a top five highest paid wide receiver. Yes, but the next wide receivers are going to get contract extensions well above Allen Robinson and what he's going to get there. They're going to be pushing that twenty five, twenty seven number, and it's just going to push Robinson down in a few years to where, you know, two or three years into a five year deal, he's number ten. You know, he's number. Eight, number eleven, you know, somewhere in that range. As you know, Devonte Adams he currently makes fourteen and a half million dollars. He's going to get a huge contract extension next offseason, twenty-five plus million dollars. That automatically pushes Allen Robinson down one because we neither, we wouldn't say that Allen Robinson and Devonte Adams should be paid the same amount of money. Or like I think Stefan Diggs is coming up on potentially soon going to get a new contract since you know there's the other wide receivers that are going to then get paid a lot more than Robinson. And right now the market is. That you you know you sign a deal that is going to kind of put you ahead of other people who haven't gotten signed recently, and then you're going to get surpassed a few years into your deal. And I feel like, am I going to let Allen Robinson walk to another team for twenty million dollars when I'm offering eighteen? If I let him go to the free agent market and that other offer is sitting there, you know, I'm I'm going to match twenty. I'm not going to match twenty five if someone's willing to pay him that. But I, I'm not too worried about what the contract says. I'm I'm keeping a good player on my team for maybe a million or two more than what I would like to pay him. Right, but that's just the cycle of the NFL. There's a new highest paid this every single year. You know, the there when 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 uh, when I was a kid, like a youngin, like five six years old, <laughs> for a quarterback to make a million dollars was unthinkable. You know, now the next quarterback that uh, you know. That signs that big Pat Mahomes type deal will be signing for fifty million a season. A quarterback will make more in one season than most players make in their career. Yeah, uh, or that uh, like an entire football. You probably could have fielded the sh- the eighty five Bears for less than fifty million, and there will be some player out there one day who will make that by himself in one season. And it's like I said, it's it's more about the status that the contract offers, regardless of what that's going to turn into down the line. What it says right here, right now, when he gets signed, is that he's tier one, um, you know, top of the line, you know, receiver. And I would put Robinson in tier two, so I'm not paying him tier one money because he's not a tier one receiver. So if free agency comes around, you don't franchise tag on Robinson, and he comes to you and says, hey, 
Baltimore Ravens are offering me four years, $80 million. Will you match? I'll come to you if you match that, but otherwise I'm going to go play for the Ravens. You letting them walk? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, right here, right now, for the sake of this conversation, no. No. But, you know, it's that's just me being stubborn. <laughs> you know, like, like I said, as far as this conversation and the point I'm trying to make. I get it. He's not worth $20 million a season, in my opinion. He's up there. He's... I'd, I would still actually put him below Brandon Marshall as far as, like, the, the guys that we've seen play receiver in, in our time. And, you know, I would take Marshall over Robinson every single time. But, you know, as far as, like, he's been, he's been the best player consistently on our offense for the last several years, so he absolutely deserves a raise. We, we gave him $14 million a season to come in in 2018. He's outplayed that contract, but not by as much as he thinks he has, in my opinion. He'll probably get that money, whether it's from us or somebody else. I would still say 18 is the deal. Take it or leave it. Yeah, and I, I totally I totally get it. I just, I think the free agent marketplace will be very lucrative for him. And will he will be able to aspire toward the general number range he's looking for. Because the franchise tag will pay him $18 million. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, he's obviously knows, he, he can, he can, he thinks, and I tend to think agents have a pretty good idea of this because they talk to teams he knows he can get at least 20 million dollars a year from other teams and that's why he's holding firm on that number from the bears and if they want to franchise tag him he can he can request a trade and hold out and and do those sorts of things but like i i think he can get it it's just a matter of whether the bears pay it to him or somebody else and i'm not i'm not letting a guy that important to my offense go especially if i'm trying to uh entice russell wilson or deshaun watson or any of these potential quarterback options and I, I think you're gonna love this. And I say, if we get Russell Wilson, we don't need Allen Robinson. You think Russell Wilson wants to come here without Allen Robinson? Probably not. But I think That's that he would be able to elevate what we have around him without, even without Allen. I mean, I think I that, agree. But you know, we we go we we go next level if Robinson stays and we get Russell Wilson, which is something that we would have to do if we got Russell Wilson. We have to sign Allen Robinson. Because we're not going to have, we're going to be missing draft picks that we could use to replace him. So, you know, it, it's it's a it's a whole, it's a whole, you know, cat out of the bag type situation. If, you know, I, I honestly believe that if if we get Wilson or if we trade for Watson, we have to re-sign Allen Robinson because it's going to be a while before we can replace him. You know, because how many times can we find a Darnell Mooney in the fifth round? How many times can we get lucky? with something like that. I mean, and even finding Mooney in, in the fifth round, he's still a, a, a number two. He's more of a, you know, slot guy than he is a, he's not going to be a number one receiver in the yeah. NFL. Not when you're not when you weigh 178 pounds. But I, so, I agree with your premise that like, if you had Russell Wilson, I could much more easily live with letting Allen Robinson walk and say, you sign Marvin Jones from Detroit or like Juju Smith Schuster from, you know, one of these lesser quarterback, lesser wide receivers, because, you know, Russell Wilson will make them better. And you don't you don't need you don't as desperately need Allen Robinson when you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson. I think that's a fair point, but I, I don't think you can get Russell Wilson without Allen Robinson. Right. Yeah. And I agree with that. I do. So but um, yeah, because I can, I could just see like I like fantasize about the throws that Wilson could make to Mooney. Like I think he could be the Chicago's version of Tyler Lockett with with Wilson if we if we got those two together. Don't like you, I, I think Mooney could be his favorite target. 
if if Wilson comes to town. I I agree too, but like, is Matt Nagy going to open up the offense for those deep shots? You know what I mean? Why like, the hell wouldn't he? Because we have a quarter. Like I said, he <laughs> he could hit. You know, he could hit a Nats ass at eighty miles an hour in a car. Man, Wilson's got the the got the sweet touch, the sweet sweet touch, man. Why wouldn't you? Because you can trust Wilson with those throws. Like he couldn't do that. I mean, Pete with, Carroll wouldn't with, do it. You know what I mean? That's the, that's what Russell Wilson Carroll did. It worked out just about every single time. You know what I mean? Like I said, I've I've seen Wilson play way more than I have Watson, and I am constantly blown away by the throws that that Wilson makes. Like the way that he was able to put it in a place, the DB made as the the best possible defense that he could, but he just so happened to put it in the most pristine location that only the receiver was going to come down. All the receiver had to do was catch the ball. And it was put in the perfect place, even with the DB making his play on it. He came up short, and the receiver comes away with the football. The Seahawks have a big play. So why they don't do that more is kind of a mystery to me from what I've seen. Granted, it's much more limited than what Pete Carroll's been looking at year in and year out, but every time I see Wilson throws the deep ball, he puts it right where it absolutely has to be, and that's something that we've been sorely lacking in Chicago. And we all know it's no secret Nagy doesn't trust Trubisky. So, yes, you know, he's going to trust, he Russell, Wilson. trust Russell Wilson. I think it would open up the offense 1,000%. Well, I will say, if I can make it weird here, <laughs> I, I interviewed oh. Russell Wilson once in person. I, I, I met him, and oh, yeah? he, he did a, a quarterback camp at University of Wisconsin where I went to school, and uh, – First of all, he is very short. Like the the, the height thing is really noticeable when yeah, you stand around him. Five eleven, uh, barely five ten. I mean, he's listed at five ten, but the dude's probably five eight. I mean, he is very <laughs> short. He makes it work. That's not a valid criticism of Russell Wilson right. anymore by any means. But what did stand out to me is that Russell Wilson has the largest ass of any quarterback I have ever seen in my entire life. It sticks out just just grotesquely. It is okay. humongous, and I, 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 I don't understand. I don't, it feels like it, it looks like it would get in the way of his throwing motion. I, I don't get it, but it's, it was a sight to behold. In, in the gym shorts he was wearing, it was just a dump truck. I, oh, dude, I, that I, made it weird. In the gym <laughs> shorts, come on. It, it was. It was he's, wearing, you know, he's wearing shorts and you know throwing out there with the kids and just like standing next to him. It, it just, it's like a shelf. Like you just set something on it back there. It's ridiculous. I'm gonna rest my clipboard back here, Russ. Okay, just let me know when you're gonna move so I can snatch it. <laughs> he he could set ball. the ball back down there and pump fake and then grab it again. You know what I mean? Then just slight of hand. Wow, wow. Russell Wilson doesn't miss leg day. That's for sure. Oh, I think I mean, the mobility and the change of direction. It's all there in the hips and in the ass, and it's it's yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah, I want you to go on some kind of draft analyst show and talk about hips and ass as far as uh, quarterbacks, mobility, and and you know hip change and see see how far that gets you. Num- number one fan, and that was that was probably three or four years ago now. So maybe with age, it's flattened out a little bit. But sure, Rus- sure. Russell Wilson in his prime was the uh, the ass king of the NFL. Ass king of the NFL, and that's the title of the episode, ladies and gentlemen. Get him, get ass him to Chicago. <laughs> that will certainly bring some eyeballs to the show. That's for sure. What's this ass king of the NFL? What is this? I have to listen to this show. So, yeah, I think he just 
you just help me out. You just you just double my downloads, Lauren. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, man, anything I can do to help, I, I'm always here for you. Well, I appreciate it, uh, Lauren. We didn't really know what we were going to get into when we got started, but I think we pulled it off uh, either way. So I think we're uh, we're good. Uh, so be sure to check out Lauren on uh, Locked On Bears. Where else can we track you down? You might say we pulled it out of our ass. Hey, there we go. <laughs> you know, I got the wrong sound pads up, Lauren. I would have hit you with a rim shot on that one. No pun intended. <laughs> I think I got it here. There it is. Thank you very much. There it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, on Twitter at Cox Sports One. It's like Fox Sports One with C. Five days a week on the Locked On Bears podcast as well, and uh, always always delivering the uh, the takes wherever there there are takes being delivered. Right. If there's a take, you're there to deliver it. So <laughs> if it's awesome. about if it's about a quarterback's ass, I will be there. Lauren Cox in the ass, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much, Lauren. And as always, want to thank my good buddy Lauren Cox for joining us once again. And uh, also want to thank him for rescuing the episode uh, because I actually, um, if you guys remember, when we got together for the Super Bowl uh, to talk about the 06 Bears, the um, I made kind of a big deal at the beginning of the show uh, about uh, the, him having a Roadcaster Pro. Well, um, Thanks to you for those of you who missed my post on social media on Facebook, and in the, on the uh, in the Facebook group and on and on my Twitter uh, feed. Uh, thanks to you, uh, I had the best quarter uh, ad money wise that I've ever had uh, for the show, and it afforded me the opportunity to buy myself one. And one of the big uh, features of the Roadcaster for me was being able to record a podcast without my computer because you plug in an SD card, you can record it right there, then pull it over to the audio software and, and go ahead and edit it and do whatever you need uh, to it, which works perfectly uh, for me, especially since I'm one of those crazy people who doesn't mind the editing process. And... Um, but it turns out that I didn't do my homework before recording the episode with Lauren and I was using the wrong SD card. And for whatever reason, that particular SD card wouldn't, wouldn't, wasn't able to keep up with the device. So it only recorded chunks of a one hour, 27 minute conversation. So when I went to edit the episode last night, turns out I only had about 24 minutes of that conversation in the various pieces that the SD card did record. So I go to Lauren and tell him, is like, actually, you know what, man? Uh, I'm not actually going to be able to release the episode because um, there was an issue with the SD card. I didn't have the right one, and I didn't know. And he's like, well, I always record, so I have a backup. He sends it to me. That's the discussion you heard. So bravo, Lauren Cox for uh, solidifying why he's my favorite guest. So thanks to him. And more importantly, guys, thanks to you. This Roadcaster is an amazing device. I plan on driving all of you crazy in the future with the sound pads and buttons because I'm going to become the sound effect guy. So brace yourselves. Uh, I'm going to play with these pads uh, on this thing to make noises. And we've got cricket sounds and applause and a wonk, wonk, wonk noise and Everything else, I mean, here, I'll just give you a little taste of the uh, of the sadness here. 
Oops, hold on. There it is. <laughs> and we got one of these. Oh, you're in trouble now, guys. You are in so much trouble. And of course, I want to applaud you for allowing me to uh, be able to buy this thing basically without anything out of pocket. The, the, the ad money covered it. Kudos to you guys uh, for downloading the show, getting me up there. It was fantastic. So kudos to you, my loyal audience, helping me do the impossible and affording this extremely expensive piece of equipment without taking any money out of my own pocket. So thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. And I hope I don't drive you too crazy with the sound effects and uh, become that cheesy sound effect guy uh, because I, I'm, I'm not going to be doing it at the end of every sentence or anything like that. Just playing with it every now and then to kind of liven things up a little bit. So uh, I, I promise that I won't. I will do my best not to make you nuts uh, and, and become that guy uh, afterwards um, once I get used to playing with this thing. So anyway, uh, as far as what we have coming up, the free agency period starts next week. Wednesday the 17th is when the new league year starts. So um, the, the legal tampering period starts a week from today on the 15th. I'm recording this on the 8th. Today is my birthday. Happy birthday to me. And uh, so the legal tampering period starts next Monday on the 15th. So we'll start hearing about deals being agreed to uh, at this point. Uh, or actually, the, it may not actually if... if um, if what I'm hearing is correct, something about if the NFL doesn't settle on a salary cap, that they then they can't choose a, uh, then they can't set uh, like what what the price would be for franchise players, so they might have to back it up. I don't know. It's I was reading something about it. I kind of skimming through it, but uh, as far as it stands right now, free agency begins next week. So either at the end of this week or early next week, I, I want to do a kind of free agency preview who the Bears are, are targeting or who they should be. Uh, looking at and maybe I'll bring somebody in to help out with that discussion because uh, the Bears are currently in the midst of uh, like contract renegotiations to restructure deals to free up some space. Uh, there was a new there was a, a note that hit the news wire today said the Bears aren't going to pick up their option on Bobby Massey. That's going to save five million. They've already cut Buster Screen, so he's gone. Uh, so saving you know the Bears are already in the process of doing that to prepare um, for what could be one of the more unpredictable free agency periods uh, in quite some time because with this lower salary cap teams are going to have to cut some pretty good football players to make room uh, for their roster. I mean, teams like the Saints are like 30-plus million in the hole right now, and I think there may be a team or two that are worse than them, like 45 million in salary cap hell right now. So they've got to do some serious restructuring and cuts and things like that. A lot of tough decisions to be made for 2021. It's going to be an interesting free agency period, an interesting year. Some guys are maybe working on a discount on one-year deals, hoping to cash in on when the month, when the salary cap goes back up in 2022, when knock on wood things get back to normal, and the new TV deals uh, start kicking in uh, as well. So we may see like the salary cap around 185 million, 180, 185 million this year, and then shoot up to like 220 next year or something like that. So it uh, could be a very interesting next couple of off seasons as far as salaries and free agency and where guys are going uh, and things like that. So 
We'll be back, uh, I want to say, Thursday or Friday with the uh, free agency uh, discussion. And then uh, whatever else comes to mind between now and then. Because, like I said, I got this awesome new toy, and I just want to keep playing with it. So uh, keep your eyes on the social media at BTU underscore Larry on Twitter. And also uh, like, subscribe, join the Facebook group, uh, uh, Bears Talk Underground uh, on Facebook. So anyway, guys, that is going to do it. Uh, We'll be back later on this week to talk about free agency and uh, anything else I can come up with in the meantime. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.